Good morning. I don't need this. I entitled this message, The VIP Gap. You know how sometimes there, there just seems to be a disconnect, kind of, maybe of where I am and where I want to be. <laughs> and, and for me, a lot of times, the, the, the biggest gap is about this big. Does it make sense to you? What if I turn it this way and go like this? Okay, this is one of the biggest gaps between my head and between in my heart. And we know there's an we know that there is a gap because we we there are books written on this gap of of mind the gap or closing the gap or bridging the gap. There's a gap that exists. It doesn't matter who you are or what you believe, there's a gap. There's a gap between what is and what should be, between where I am, where I want to be, what I feel, what I want to feel, who I am, and who I want to be. And the Apostle Peter encountered this gap. He experienced this gap with Christ. John, can you play the video, please? Grace is God's unmerited favor for us, his crazy love. And the truth is, many times we struggle understanding it. If you find yourself struggling to understand God's grace, don't beat yourself up. Even the disciples struggled with understanding grace. Jesus, is that you? You're alive. I can't believe you're alive. Okay, I was in the boat and I wasn't catching any fish, okay? But I heard this voice and the voice said, cast your net to the other side. And so I'm thinking, I'm a fisherman. I know what I'm doing, but I'm not catching any fish, you know? And so I throw that net over there and then a gaggle of fish pop into that net and I'm going, this is a total miracle. Who could have done that? I need to know who told me to throw the net to the other side. And boom, I look up and I mean, there is you. You're looking at me on the seashore going, it is I, the Lord, and you're alive. I can't believe you're alive. This is awesome. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on. Peter, yeah. do you love me? Yes, I love you. I love you. You're alive. This is so great. Good, then feed my sheep. Andrew, get out of the boat. Come on, man. It's him. Peter. Yeah. Do you love me? I love you. Yes. And I'm so sorry about that rooster clucking. I had no idea what that meant, but I do not. I'm better for it. All right. Okay. Then feed my sheep. Andrew, I'm smiling, but I'm serious. Come on, get out of the boat. It's him. Peter. Yeah. Do you love me? Jesus, mere words cannot describe the passion that I have for you. I love you. You know everything. I love you. Good. Good. Then feed my sheep. I didn't even know you had livestock. That is so like you, though. There's something new about you all the time. That's what I love about you. Peter, Yeah. do you remember uh, the morning the ladies went to the tomb? Yeah, 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 yeah. We're all in the upper room trying to figure out what to do next, you know, because we thought you were dead. You know, you were dead, you know, and we're trying to figure all that out, you know. And Mary comes running up, and Mary's like saying, beehive, beehive, beehive. And I'm thinking, I'm allergic to bees. Like, keep them out. You know what I'm saying? But as she came 
kept getting closer. I heard her correctly. She was saying, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. And we're going, who's alive, who's alive? And she said, she was at the tomb, and the tomb was empty. And she said that there was an angel there. And the angel said, go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay, he is risen. And so me and John, we hightailed it down there. And if John says he beat me, he's totally lying, all right? I beat him, FYI, all right, you know? And we get down there, and I'm looking in that tomb, and it is, it is empty. There's nothing in there, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And John is right there. John is so good with words. He should write a book. He is so good with words. And John said, don't you get it, Peter? This is everything Jesus said he was going to do, and you did it, and it's done. Let's go. This is so great. Wait, the angel said what? Uh, Go tell the disciples and Peter that everything is okay. He is risen. You've risen. Let's go. He said what? Go tell the disciples and Peter. tell the disciples and Peter you said my name why did you say my name Peter that's grace no no I don't I don't deserve that because that night people kept coming up to me asking me if I belonged to you if I was with you and I kept denying you left and right all right no it'll take me my whole life to make up for what I did it was unforgivable for what I did no what I did on the cross was meant to take what is unforgivable and make it forgivable. That's my grace. It's not about you. It's always about me. That's grace, Peter. So Peter had encountered a gap in his thinking. And Jesus carried him across that gap. So the VIP gap. What is the VIP gap? The VIP, there's no secrets here. VIP, value, identity, and purpose. These three things, value, identity, and purpose, they, they, they drive so many of our decisions And when these three things or any one of these three things aren't fully satisfied within us, we will do some pretty crazy things to get them. We will get into relationships we shouldn't be in because, wow, if I'm in a relationship, then I have value. Some people, young people, they, they don't have any type of identity or value or purpose. So they might join a gang. They might get involved with a group of people that give them some sense of value, identity, and purpose. I mean, and in this culture, we go to the extreme in that I will even try to change my gender because I feel this gap. In my life. So Heavenly Father. We just thank you for this time. We thank you for. Your word. We thank you for. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father I pray this morning. That your word is divided properly. Father that your word. 
just resonates within our hearts. That we may leave this place and that gap between where I am and where you are is closed. We give you this time, Lord. Let it be pleasing to your sight. In your holy and precious name, amen. So I want to talk about some of these truths regarding value, identity, and purpose. And I suppose the first truth that we need to understand with value is the simple fact that you are valued. You do have a value. The question is, where do you find that value? Do you find that value in who you hang out with? Do you find that value in a position that you might hold in a degree that you have? Where do you find your value? And when I think about value, of course, I think about price. How much does something cost? I was looking at a car several months back. Very nice car. We liked it. We test drove it. We loved it. It was fantastic. But the price tag that they put on it was beyond the value that I put on it, so therefore we didn't buy it. Okay? Value. How much is something worth? The Bible tells us exactly how much or the Bible tells us the price that God has put on our lives. In 1 Peter chapter 1, it says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. That the price that was paid was the blood of Christ. That's where, that's where we get this key word, redeemed. Redeemed is, is this payment of a price to recover from the power of another. We were under the power of this world. We were under the power of sin. And Jesus, through the blood that he shed on the cross, redeemed us from that power. Have you ever thought about that? That the value, your value, the price that God placed on you is the very blood of Jesus. I'm going to spend my whole life trying to let that sink in. But it's true. If if that price that was paid did not equal the value that God put on us, he would have figured out another way. He's, he's a smart guy. He would have figured it out. But he didn't. Because the value that he placed on us. And I think that's a key part. In Ephesians 1.7, says it a little bit differently. It says, In him we have redemption through his blood. For the forgiveness of sins, 
in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And the part that I want you to see is it says, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. It's according to him, not according to me. The value comes from God. It's according to the riches of God's grace that he redeemed me, that he put the value of himself upon me and upon you. So that should also let us know that I'm no more valuable than you. You're no more valuable than me. We are no more valuable than everybody else walking around in this world. Because Jesus Christ died for everybody. The blood that he shed was for everyone. And that's where in the church in 2 Corinthians 5, in um, talking about different roles and honors in the church, God says, we're going to lift it up. For those that are uh, not as visible, let's lift them up and honor them. For those that are visible, they don't need that honor. So that everyone has an equal concern for everyone. God understands this. And he understands that we need to understand and know the value that he put on us. So the second part of the VIP gap is identity. Now there are several ways that the Bible describes our identity in Christ. It's that we are a new creation. That we are a child of God. That we are an ambassador of Christ. We're citizens of heaven. We're disciples of Jesus. We're even slaves of righteousness. But there's one word, there's one identity that that has always rang in my heart, and that word is adopted. That we are adopted. And that is such a precious word. That we, we were at one point not part of God, not part of his family. But he reached out and he adopted me. He adopted you. In Romans eight fifteen through 16, it reads, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call to him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Notice the one who did the action. It's God. When he adopted, when God adopted you as his own children. So we have value. Our value, that comes from God. Our value comes from God. Us being adopted into his family, our very identity comes from God. In the last part, purpose. Now purpose is interesting because if we look at it from the world's 
perspective. Our value very often comes from our identity. Who I am determines my value. If I am a professional basketball player, that's my value. And as soon as I start throwing up air balls and I can't dunk and I just can't run down the court, what happens to my value? It goes down. Okay, very often in the world, the value is, is answered by the question, what have you done for me lately? And so when people whose whole identity is in something in this world, and at some point that fades away, they're lost and they don't know what to do. When parents put their identity in their children, and then their children, despite all of our efforts, they grow up and they leave, and we're left with things that we, we, we're left with people we don't know. But this purpose, this idea of purpose, cannot be separated from identity. Okay? Identity and purpose, there's different things, but at the same time, they're inseparable. One can't happen without the other. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, it says, Whoever says he abides in him, whoever says that I abide in God, ought to walk in the same way in which Jesus walked. Now, don't. Don't make the mistake in taking that word ought as a suggestion. Okay, that ought is not, well, it's a good idea if you do. That ought is an imperative. It's a command. It really could be read, and a lot of translations translate it this way, whoever says he abides in him must walk in the same way in which Jesus walked. That means who he is, who he abides in, his identity, must match the way he lives, must match his purpose. I can't claim that I'm a Christian and go out and live and gamble and have an affair and all of those ugly things because they don't match up there's going to be an incredible, incredible gap in my life. But I love the way Romans 8, 28 and 29 say it. And we know that for those who love God, so we're talking about believers, for those who love God, God works all things together for his good. For those that are called according to his purpose. Again, our purpose is not does not originate within us. Our purpose, just as our value on our and our identity originate, the source of it is in Christ. For those who are called according to his purpose, 
Okay, well, what is his purpose? His purpose is in verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, for those that he knew in Christ, those who are believers, he predestined them to be conformed to the image of his son. That's the purpose. That we are to be conformed to the image of Christ. So my value is found in him. The price, his blood. My identity is found in him. He has adopted me. He has made me his child. And what is all of this the purpose of, the purpose for? It's to make me look like Christ. So that I can go out and do all those other things. So that we are ambassadors. And when we're ambassadors, we have a ministry of reconciliation. So that I am a disciple, and therefore, I go out and make disciples. I am a child of God, so therefore, I can embrace the love of the Father. The value, identity, and purpose all come from Christ. And I want to show you this. And I want to look at that all over the place. I want to read through Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16 through chapter 2, verse 10. And I encourage you to start not just with this, but just start putting V, I, or P next to a part of the scripture that is in reference to those three things. God is screaming and whispering. He wants us to know our value, our identity, and our purpose in Him. So in Ephesians, starting in verse 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. Okay. He wants us to know something right here. He wants, us, he wants to reveal something to us in which we need wisdom for. He wants us to know What is the hope in which he has called us? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? I just want to take a little side note on that. Uh, I'm not going to see it there. That phrase. Now I even lost it here. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Do you ever think about that? This is saying, what are the riches of God's glorious inheritance? That God gets an inheritance out of this. We always talk about my inheritance. 
wow, how much me is creeped into Scripture sometimes. But this says, God's glorious inheritance. And what is his inheritance? In the saints. We are God's inheritance. When we become born again, we are washed by the blood of the, of the cross of Jesus Christ. And he makes us clean. He gives us new identities. He makes us new creations. He calls us his children. And he sanctifies us by conforming us into his likeness, into the likeness of Christ. That's God's inheritance. So it goes on, what is the, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might, according to his working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Basically what that tells me that Jesus is the only one that can determine. He's the only one that has the right to determine your value. He is the only one that has the right to tell you who you are. And he's the only one that has the right to tell you your purpose. It's all about Christ. We are his creation. The artist is the only one that can tell you the purpose of that painting, the value of that painting. Everybody else can argue. Okay, I learned that really quick with my daughter. She drew a picture. Be like, oh, this is a great dog. It wasn't a dog. (laughs) From there, I learned, oh, great, can you describe this for me? Tell me what you drew here. So now starting off in chapter 2, and I'm going to wrap up quickly. And you were dead in the trespasses of sin in which you once walked. So he's telling us the way we were. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. In the most beautiful transition, but God, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, that right there tells us it is nothing that we did. He redeemed us when we were unredeemable. There's nothing that we did that earned it. There's nothing that we've claimed or achieved to earn it. 
even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Value. He did that on the cross. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That ties back to 1 John 2, 6, that if we claim to be in Christ, we must walk as he walked. Because if we don't, they don't go together. We can't claim to be one thing and to live another way. That's why the Bible says, look, If you're not living the Christian life, don't call yourself a Christian. You're giving Jesus a black eye. You're causing confusion. You're causing division. It's better just to be quiet. So in closing, so in closing, bringing it back to Peter, In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said to them, Jesus said to the disciples, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You want to know your value? You want to know your identity? You want to know your purpose? It starts with Christ. It started with Christ for Peter. Peter was not, it it, it didn't, Peter didn't grasp this until he grasped who Jesus is. It is only in the light of who Jesus is that this can be revealed to us. Because it's not something that comes from the world. It's not something that comes from within. It's something that has to be revealed to us by the Father who is in heaven. And when we recognize and accept and embrace who Jesus is and what he has done, then he can say, you are my child. This is who you are. This is what I've done to reclaim you as mine. And this is what I'm going to do in you. I'm going to make you look like me. And hell can't stop that.
It will never succeed against that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the price that you put on us. It's something that we don't deserve. It is something that we didn't earn. It's something that we have not achieved or claimed to be from ourselves, Lord. For as you tell us, it is a free gift from you. You paid our price in your blood. You claimed us as your children. And you've promised to make us look like you. So, Father, in that, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.